0: You are listening to the Alta Sports Podcast, where we share personal stories of influential individuals within the sports world. From their upbringings in life, the start of their careers, the highlights of their career, and much, much more. Now without further ado, here's your host, Marco, the Alta Peralta.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you listening to this edition of the Alta Sports Podcast with your host, Marco Peralta. Today, the podcast has gone international because we are interviewing Steve Pales from all the way in Australia. Steve is an experienced announcer in the boxing world and also in big soccer tournaments like the CONCACAF Gold Cup, the FIFA Club World Cup, the FIFA Women's World Cup, and much, much more. I had the pleasure of working with Steve when the Gold Cup was held here in Phoenix back in July, and it was an absolutely amazing experience. Now, without further ado, enjoy today's episode with my Australian mate, Steve Payos. It is my pleasure to introduce today's guest for the Yalta Sports Podcast, Mr. Steve Payos. All the way from Australia, it's going international. Steve, how you doing, mate?
2: Marco, thank you very much for having me, mate. Yes, indeed. We are going worldwide now, mate, down here from Down Under. It's a pleasure to be a part of your podcast, mate. And thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to having a a good and funny chat with you, my my American brother. Thank you very much, mate.
1: Uh, Thank you for coming on. It's been uh, great to know you because for those that don't know, I was able to work with Steve at the Gold Cup in 2021 this past uh, summer. We worked together, in the quarterfinal round, it was between um, Qatar and El Salvador and Mexico against Honduras. So it was a doubleheader at State Farm Stadium, and I got to meet Steve, definitely a, a, a great human being at the same time, a very talented presenter and host. So, Steve, it was a great, great honor to get to learn from you, but also get to work with you. It was a whole lot of fun, Steve, without a doubt.
2: Nah, look, it was it was a real pleasure to be able to, to meet you, Marco, and hopefully forge a long friendship and a long working relationship with you uh, over time, mate. I guess that's the beauty of the work that we're involved in when you're getting the opportunity to work at international events and getting to go to international soccer events or, or football, for those that call it that. I like to call it football. But down here, Marco, probably similar to what it is in the States uh, football competes with a lot of other footballs when it comes to, you know, rugby league and rugby union down here. And I know you have American football uh, in, in your country. So uh, the beauty of, of this type of work is is that we just get to come across so many magnificent people and get to work with so many colleagues that are in the same field, people that work, you know, whether it be in, in, in the presenting industry, broadcasting, in radio, in media, such as yourself, and then we get to come together at these sporting events. And the Gold Cup for me was a was a fantastic experience. It really was. It was the the only shame in a way, Marco, was that we couldn't get around to more of the country. I know that when the Gold Cup uh, was touted and was ready to, to be played after the, the postponement of of 2020, there was, there was talks of sort of getting, Getting around the country a bit more, looking to have a few games even in Canada. The pandemic that we're in at the moment meant that we couldn't get around to as many places as possible. But at the same time, what that meant was is that we could get to places such as Phoenix, uh, where we crossed paths and, and places like Kansas City, which perhaps I, I wouldn't have been able to go and attend. And and then from there, also the other great places in Texas, like Houston, uh, and Dallas and then, and then ending in Las Vegas with yourself there as well was magnificent. So, yeah, mate, it was it was great to meet you. And uh, I'm sure from here on in, you're going to be part of, you know, the, the football announcing fraternity, you know, moving forward a long way. I know there's a lot happening as football begins to open its doors. And as we get ready to actually... I guess welcome the fans back more than anything and, and get going again so it was great mate and, and I know I had a great experience with you and and thank you for for, for being there in, in your hometown to, to show us around a little bit.
1: Yeah it was a whole lot of fun and I, I think the biggest thing that I enjoyed about working with you is that after working with you at State Farm Stadium I started noticing that I think I'm getting an Australian accent in my speech now. <laughs> I'm like, dang, I'm becoming Australian now because of Steve, man. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing was, a lot of
2: people when they try and imitate the Australian accent, they they end up coming out with almost like this pseudo British type of accent because it's probably what they're a little bit more used to than ours. But you weren't too bad, mate, when you when you were practicing the Aussie accent. So we'll have yeah, to it- get you. Uh, yeah. We'll have to get you down under here and then we'll really drum it into you after that.
1: Oh, for sure. Give me like a like a week hanging out with you and I for sure will get an Australian accent without a doubt. But Steve, this podcast is about you and your story and uh, the things that you're up to, obviously. And as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, that you're an international host and a presenter so uh, i know that you've been in this uh, industry for quite some time so i do want to ask you you did say you're from australia but i want to ask you about your um your your childhood like how was it for you uh, give me some details of just how it was for you and how did the industry of of sports broadcasting presenting uh, come into your life absolutely
2: marco well look I, I had a i had a magnificent childhood i i really i really enjoyed growing up in in australia we had a we had a great childhood. To to preface that a little bit for all the listeners and just give a bit of background. So for us it was childhood was 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 great. My parents were really supportive and, and really positive towards myself. I have a younger brother who's six years younger than me and and for them, childhood was all about going to school and, and having uh, and playing sport. They were the two things that were really important to, to my parents growing up and and like with any kid so the way that your parents bring you up and the way that your parents guide you in those early stages is, is generally going to be how you end up in life so for me childhood was all about watching sport really Marco and, and going to school that was it my dad was was really big on that and I, and I thank him to this day for that it was all about Go to school, enjoy yourself, uh, watch your sport, play your sport after school and on weekends. Um, and they're the things that you're really going to need moving forward You know, into your adulthood is, is to not worry about any of the, the more important stuff. It, w- it was good to have that support to just be a kid and also – I feel like when it comes to to growing up, you just need to be able to to grow into whatever type of person you're going to be. It takes time to develop the person that you're going to be. But at the same time, trying to be moulded in a certain way, um, I wouldn't say he's, he's more beneficial than not. But I think if you let it happen naturally, that's the best way. So as kids, you know, we, we played a lot of sport. We played a lot of soccer. You know, I loved playing football as a kid and and a lot of cricket. You, you probably would have seen a bit of cricket, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, Mark. I know we talked about that when we were together in the States, but our sort of version of baseball, but it's, it's very popular cricket. And uh, I played that at, at a reasonable level. I, I got to the state level and and played for the state when it came to cricket. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. And outside of that, Mark, I developed early loves for all sports, really. That that was the beauty of of of. My parents and my dad, especially, giving us that freedom. I I began to just watch everything. So, you know, as a twelve or thirteen year old, I, I would watch the cricket during summer. I, I developed a, a love affair with Arsenal and English Premier League uh, through my uncle, my 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 auntie, my dad's sister, married an Englishman whose family grew up around the corner from from Arsenal, North London, in in England. So that that he, he drilled that into us pretty quick. Coming into the family, that this is the team we need to support. To all of his nephews and and his sons and stuff like that. This is who you support, which is generally how it goes with a lot of these sporting things, Marco. So um, for me, I I, I got up, started watching Arsenal very early at the sort of age of, you know, 13, 14. I'd be up in the middle of the night watching and just enjoying the theatre of sport, enjoying... The commentators that would bring to life what many might think is just a mundane day sort of thing, and you know, or just a regular season game, whatever that may be. But you know, this from being a you know a sports commentator yourself is that commentators can really make it or break any game for you. So um, that's where I, I really developed a love affair and, and a love for sport. And then I, I have my teams in all the Australian leagues here: rugby league, rugby union, Australian Australian rules football um so for me like there was there was always sport to watch there was always something to be involved in I also really loved wrestling as a kid Marco wrestling and boxing I always loved wrestling was was always great because it had that big you know it had the facade behind the scripting and the facade behind you know your heroes and your and your your baby faces and and your heels and that sort of thing which always added to the storyline And and as a kid you were sort of you sort of kept that line of fake versus real alive, you know. You you get older and you realize it's all a script and it's all beautiful. But as a kid, it was all so real at so many times. And and, and when it comes to professional wrestling, we we grew up in a, in an era. Um, Noting I'm a little bit older than you, but we we grew up in an era which was unbelievable. The mid '90s into the late '90s, with WCW coming up against um, you know WWF back then, and you had the Monday Night Wars with Nitro versus Raw and the this, the superstars of the business were unbelievable. So that was another thing I, I found a love for. I used to get up in the middle of the night and and uh, call my cousin on, on, on the landline phone. Remember back when we used to have landlines in the wall,
1: Marco? I don't know if you remember yeah. that. baby. No, I remember stuff. those. I remember those. Yeah, I remember those. You remember those? We
2: used to do that. So we used to call each other in the middle of the night at 12, one o'clock in the morning, and we used to we used to sneak and hope that our parents wouldn't catch us and that the old man wouldn't come and get me and be like, "What are you doing?" But I don't think he probably would have cared because we were having so much fun. And we did that at the age of sort of 12, 13 with my cousin. We'd get up and we'd watch the wrestling in the middle of the night because that's when it was broadcast over here, Marco. It didn't have prime time slots back then. This was back in the days of burgeoning cable. I know you guys have had cable for a little bit longer in America. But, you know, over here, cable sort of only became a thing 20 years ago, 15 years ago. So we had to watch it on free-to-wear at whatever time they put it on. And that happened to be 1 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday morning. So... You'd look at the TV guide during the week in the newspaper and you'd be like, oh, there it is, WCW Monday Nitro. I need to make sure we got up and we dragged the, the house phone with a cord and we'd call up and we'd watch it. But that that's where it all started for me, mate. That's where the love affair with sports started for me. And then even in those early days, Michael Buffer was announcing um, WCW Nitro. Just on, a, on, on regular Monday nights, Michael Buffer would be there to announce Kevin Nash and, and Goldberg and Helena Sells and all sorts of unbelievable things. So you so know to me as a kid that was just that was where where it was all about boxing was you know boxing's always been big it's it's been a sport that's that as you know has been around for a very long time we're talking you know 100 years 100 120 years of professional boxing so it's been a sport that's always had the big show about it as well so um that's where it came from for me Marco childhood was was fantastic and and I'm always grateful to my to my father for that he he put us down that path of just enjoying our childhood enjoying sport and that's where it came for me. So, you know, gradually, as you know yourself as well, you, you tend to become a bit of an almanac on all sorts of sports and you just know about what happened when because you were there watching it as a kid and, and that was it. I mean, I did like I I did I did reasonably well at school. I, I, Dad also pushed us to make sure we, we did well and, and, and got our grades up, which was important. But for me, sport was where it was all about. And I guess I always knew I wanted to have a career in some sort of sport, whether that was playing or broadcasting or announcing or being part of it. Um, and, and that's how it developed from there. And then sort of moving on from that is when you you start your first forays into, into broadcasting and that sort of thing. But that's where it all started for me, mate.
1: Well, I have uh, one thing out of everything you just said, um, Steve, that I have a little bit of an issue with and it comes to you being an arsenal fan brother like how (laughs) how can you be an arsenal fan bro Uh, a team that can't win a major trophy man like how how does that happen how does that happen
2: wow man that's uh that's a big call there marco you're you're putting me on the spot there early mate well We've actually. Who do you? I'm not. I'm not sure who you support. We'll have to go into giving your team a bit of stick in a moment. Well, but well, it's
1: funny. Like you say your answer, and I'm gonna look for my jersey so I can show it to you.
2: <laughs> well, you do that, and we'll, we'll have a laugh at you. But look, the, the Arsenal's always been a big part of my life. I might, I know that might sound. That might sound a bit funny, but you know, Arsenal's always been a big part of my life since since my uncle put us onto them when we were, when we were kids. And and for me, it all started sort of, like I said, when I was about 11 or 12 and we really started to watch lots of, lots of Premier League and we started to get cable TVs, I was saying. And yeah, I've supported them for a very long time. I had got my season ticket this year, finally. Um, and that was through the help of my cousin, the same cousin um, who, who'd been on the waiting list for a while and we ended up getting it sorted. So I got on this, I got a season ticket. So Big supporter, mate. And I'll, I'll just correct you on that, mate. We won the FA Cup two seasons ago. Well, one season ago now, not last year the year before. Okay, and we've, okay, we've won I a few that. FA Cups in the last 10 years, mate, a few things. And, and we have won lots of – we're the third most Premier League winners, my brother. So I'm just going to uh, stick that into you to say, come on, Major trophies, maybe not, but I had to tell you that. So well, look. you
1: know, you know which major trophy I'm talking about, man. You, you, you know, you need that that Champions League title. Bro. Oh
2: yeah, look, there's no doubt about that, mate. I can't, I can't shy away from that. The fact that we've, uh, we've not won that, mate. Unfortunately, we have, we have been there before to the big dance once in 2006, and I tell you what, I remember that day very, very well. Um, the day that we lost to Barcelona in Paris. Ah, oh, here we go. You got the Man U shirt on, eh? All right, all right. Straight to the grub shirt, mate. You haven't won a you haven't won a trophy for four years and counting now, my friend. So I'm gonna stick that hey, into it right there.
1: I know that for sure. But hey, uh, at least like we could say like we've been able to win a Champions League title. We won a Europa League pretty recently too.
2: Yes, yes, no, look, I can't deny that, mate, 2017 <laughs> yeah, Europa League, three Champions League titles, no, I, I definitely can't deny that, and it hurts even more, Marco, that teams like Chelsea now have, have come of age in the last 15 years, and they've won two European Cups and five or six Premier League titles, That that's what hurts even more, but I'll still proudly say that we sit behind yourself and uh, and Liverpool's the third most winningest team in, in English Premier League history, so that's something for me, mate, but... um. Yeah, look, it's it's been great being an Arsenal fan. It's look, the last ten years, twelve years have been reasonably barren in terms of you know league form, but a lot of that came from the fact that when my uncle put us onto Arsenal, we were supporting them at a stage where we were we were invincible. I mean, we we were the famous invincibles. We were a brilliant team. We won three Premier Leagues over the course of, of sort of seven seasons, and we were we were an unbelievable side there for a, for a long period. So. Um, yeah, it's a love affair that you know, mate. You you got the man menu shirt on there, I can see. But when it comes to your sporting team, it's a love affair that never goes away, and I'll never stop supporting Arsenal. And it doesn't matter what happened, mate. Even if we end up in, in some real trouble this season, or mid-table, or towards the bottom, it's 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 always something. One thing, one thing that I find with sport, Marco, when it comes to supporting a team, is it always gives you that something to look forward to as well. It always gives you something that you can be excited about into the week ahead. And look, as bad as your team is some years or as great as they can be in other years. It, it always gives you that little bit of something that you can you can be excited about moving forward, which is something that I've always uh always loved about supporting my team and supporting Arsenal.
1: Yeah. Well, when it comes to Arsenal, it's a, a team that has a history of course. And like you you can't deny uh Arsene Wenger is one of the one of the most historic coaches in English football. And but obviously Man United has the, the most winningest, Coach in English football, you know, but in Ferguson. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to push it in there, you know. But it's, no, like no, no push it in true. there.
2: Look, mate, I'll be the first person to say that that rivalry defined defined an era as well. That rivalry yep, defined mm-hmm. the English game, mate. It was, it was, it was brilliant when Wenger signed in in '96 and came to Arsenal. Fergie was. Was sort of already firmly implanted in ten years in, and he'd won a few Premier Leagues by then. I think Marco '90. If you're looking at '90, 90, '92, perhaps '94, 90, five around that era. Like he started winning with 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 the young boys, and and then it defined it by Wenger coming in and really pushing him. I mean, Wenger came in in '96. Had had you know not a great season from September '96 through to the end of '97, but after that won the league in his first full season, won it again another two times and went invincible. And and Fergie knew he had to keep up with that, so he kept the big signings. You saw when Ronaldo came on board in in 2003, like he was an unbelievable player, and 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 Arsenal in in some of their players had some of the greatest players in Premier League history too. So I agree with you, mate. It did define an era. And and when it comes to just the great all time you know, eras of a certain sport, that that rivalry, Arsenal and Manchester United between, you know, 90, 97, 98 through to about 2008 was was unreal. It was brilliant. I mean, there was Premier League rivalries all the way. There was a famous FA Cup final in there as well, yep. which we beat you. So I'm just going to chuck that in there. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was, well, I should say, there was also FA Cup semi-finals with, 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 you know, goals from Ryan Giggs as such, the greatest goals of all time, that sort of thing. So it really was a brilliant rivalry. It was a great time to be alive.
1: Yeah, when you have, like, uh, Sec Fabregas, you have uh, Thierry Henry and also Patrick Vieira on the lineup against Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes. It it was just a recipe for a great, great match, you know. It, it, it never disappointed, you know. But anyways, moving on from some Premier League talk, we're going to go back to what the show is about, about you, Steve. So you did also mention one sport that we talked about when you were here in the States, rugby. We mm-hmm. talked about how rugby is nonstop, a very physical, no protection sport. So if you could give, a, give me in some type of detail, like really how serious is the game of rugby compared to American football? Uh, it's very
2: serious. It's very serious. I mean, I'll answer that in two parts. I mean, if you're talking about rugby in terms of its seriousness, in terms of its physicality, mate, it's, it's very, very tough. And in terms of, how serious we take it down here, uh, it is very serious. So when it comes to its physicality, I know we had a we had a great debate about this when we were overseas about how they would go against each other and how tough it would actually be, you know, for two teams to take on each other if it was, you know, an NFL hybrid or, or something like that. But, you know, right... right one thing, just to clarify for all the American listeners, rugby league and rugby union are two very different sports. Um, they're similar in the concept of sort of, you know, two two teams on on two sides going forward towards a towards the same try line on one side. You know, rugby league having thirteen on the field at one time, rugby union having fifteen. But um, so so there are similars. they have both got the the egg ball, a, a bigger egg ball than what you'd have as 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 an American football. Uh, the NFL ball. But it's 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 a very serious game, mate. It's, it's, it's a game where the players will play with minimal protection, no pads. Um, the, uh, the concept is similar to NFL in the sense that you're trying to progress the ball up to the other end of the field and, and get the ball over you know, an end zone per se. We call it a, a try line is what we call it. And you have to place the ball in rugby union and in rugby league over the try line and place it on the ground to have a score as opposed to American football, where if you're if you're running, you just need to, you know, hold the ball and just sort of get it to touch the line in, in in a plane. And also, you know, if you're catching the ball, you need to take it and have both feet on the ground at some point as well to have that stand. So there are, there are nuances there, Marco, but I do feel it's a sport, which is, you know, underrated by Americans in terms of its toughness. I know that I, – I, look, I don't, I don't disregard how tough American football is. I know that, you know, when it comes to the linebackers, tight ends, wide receivers, everyone that's involved, you know what I mean, your safeties, it's a tough game. I have no doubt about that. The physical impact is huge. Um, and when, you, when you're when sort of setting yourself up, Marco, for a set play every time, what that does is it, it puts you in a position where – you know, you can you can you can increase that intensity of the impact. Guys can run off, you know, run off a, off a set move. They can run plays, and if they're sort of if the defence reads it or picks it off, it makes for some big impacts, some big hits, and all sorts of damage to take place. And I love it. I mean, I love the intensity of the hit. The power game of of, of American football is amazing, but in rugby union and rugby league, what you have, Marco, is two teams that go at each other nonstop. Non-stop for 40 minutes, you know, a half. There's no ad breaks, mate. We don't have TV timeouts. We don't have all the crap, may I say it, that, that you guys have in American sport. I mean, I don't, like I said, I know it's a different market in the way you guys run, but, you know, ours is a little bit more pure in that sense that the players play for 40 minutes. You ad breaks are either side of that and 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 they really go at it. So because of that, what you create is 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 a is a level of physical fitness which which I believe is, is at is at peak. Like if you're a peak level first grade rugby league player like in the top division and you're running with that sort of impact where you know the line of scrimmage as well in NFL is is where the tackle is made. And that's the same in rugby union. The and scrimmage remains where where the tackle is made. But when it comes to actually rugby league, everyone has to retreat 10 metres every time. So you've got big impact. The guys come back 10 metres. They do it again for fives. And then they kick it. They punt it to the other team. They come back the other side. And obviously you need to avoid penalties and all sorts. So to answer it in that respect, Marco, I, I think it's a I think it's a great game in terms of its physicality. I think, I don't know, ever know how you'd be able to have NFL and, and, and NRL, they call it here, um, match each other up in some sort of game, which would be fair. Um, but look, it's serious business, mate. It's, it's great. It's very tough. Rugby Union is a, a lot more supported internationally uh, around the world. And then you've also got um, the seriousness, as I mentioned before, of how people people love it. The, the National Rugby League, the NRL, we call it, is, is is the most popular sport on the weekends here during the winter months. And the Australian Football League is very popular in rugby union. So I guess it's just a tale of two countries, Marco. You've got people that love different things. But in Australia, we're also very cognizant of what goes on in the States. And we love to watch the NFL. I love to watch the NFL and support my team who are also no good in the NFL. But that's okay um that's the beauty of, of watching all sports so it's great mate it's it's great to have that variance of sport down here and we're also lucky we get a lot we get everything broadcast from from your neck of the woods so we get to see baseball hockey basketball American football MLS everything and enjoy it all so it's good mate that's the beauty of the sporting world
1: yeah it definitely is having different kinds of sports around the world it really uh, helps people who love sports get to know. Of the cultures and just what it signifies for many other countries uh but also uh, quickly quickly i want to touch base on you said you would wake up early in the morning or stay up pretty late and watch the wwf and yeah right now it's the wwe i mm-hmm. did want to ask you who was your favorite wrestler in the wcw when i was watching
2: wcw i couldn't go past kevin nash i absolutely loved kevin nash he was he was diesel um, Diesel in, in in the WWF days back then, but then when he moved over, he was Kevin Nash, uh, and he partnered with Scott Hall as part of the Wolfpack Marco, and, and they were unbelievable. And then later on, that turned into the NWO, and the rest is history. The one of the greatest, uh, the greatest cliques that we ever saw in professional wrestling. So look, Kevin Nash for me was 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 my favorite in the WCW, and then when it come to the WWF, for me I couldn't go past the Rock. Growing up with the Rock, I mean he sort of came into that fruition for us when we were sort of 10, 11 and just how slick he was in the microphone was, was unbelievable. His, his talent in the ring, obviously, and especially with his, with his background, with his, with his father and his grandfather and, and that sort of thing was unbelievable. His talent in the ring, but I don't think we saw someone who was as good when it comes to the verbals and the and the tirades as, as what the rock was on the microphone. He was he was simply unbelievable. And again, like we talked to before about Arsenal and and Emmanuel, I mean his his rivalry with Stone Cold Steve Austin defined an era as well. It really defined wrestling at that point, the attitude era, which is which is what it was, was just simply unbelievable. So Stone Cold was a was a close second behind that for me. But it was difficult to look past anyone else at that time, Marco. They were just so electrifying, those guys. They were so big, so charismatic. And they carried it week after week for many, many years. And that's what you tuned in to watch to see what they would spit or what they would say or how that would all go down. So they were my two favourites, mate. Kevin Nash... Kevin Nash in WCW was was awesome. I, I loved him, and I loved, you know, the the big power bomb that he used to do to, to finish people off, and, and 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 just everything involved with the WCW. The NWO was was awesome, and then The Rock for me in WWF, mate, was was incredible.
1: Yeah, when it came to uh, wrestling, I didn't grow up watching the D- WWF. I watched uh, the WWE, and I was a lot about. Um, jeff hardy john cena ray mysterio oh, yeah. the edge like those guys i think that, yeah, that was yeah. a really really good era but yeah it, it, it was a good time it was a good time but well look those
2: focusing... guys those, those guys were really big as well when you look at you look at events like wrestlemania 17 2001 where where you would have been you would have been a pretty young man at that point i dare say but for us at the age of sort of 15 around that time 14 15 i mean that was the greatest wrestlemania ever and if if you look back in the archives you'll see that you know one of the greatest tag team matches in the history, you know, of, of wrestling took place that day. And that involved like guys like the Dudley boys, the Hardy boys, Edge and Christian, tables, ladders, chairs. So, so those guys stood the test of time as well. And full credit to them, mate. They, they were unbelievable guys. They stood the test of time. And there you go. You grew up on, on those guys and we had them a big part of our year as well. They were, they were wowing crowds with some of the most – Unbelievable matches and, and and times you could experience as a kid. So in a way, is for those guys as entertainers, we we have to thank them for giving us the experiences of a lifetime growing up. But but that's good, mate. Hey, do you have a favorite or? uh
1: right now I don't really watch the WWE anymore. But growing up, my favorite was um, Jeff Hardy, and a close second was John Cena. You know, I, yeah, I just like to yeah. do the the, the the. You can't see me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. That was a thing, and he's still absolutely- going
2: strong now. John Cena—he's turning into the next Rock in terms of his Hollywood prowess and and his big, big star capacity. So he's he's going. Yeah, really well. the
1: only bad thing is that The Rock is going to have a is has had a better career when it comes to movie acting. uh John Cena's not that good when it comes to acting, in my opinion. It's my humble <laughs> yeah, opinion. We won't tell him that, eh? Hey? I like yeah, it. Uh, if he's ever listening to this podcast, hey, John, I'm sorry, but I still want to interview you one day. Just putting it out there, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. We'll get him on one day, mate. You'll get him on, no doubt. <laughs> For sure. Uh, now, Steve, uh, going back to your upbringings when it came to the sports broadcasting uh, presenting world. Uh, so how did you start getting experience? And if you could share with us, like, what was your first experience uh, in this industry? Absolutely. So uh,
2: going, following on from what I was talking about earlier in in, in terms of, you know, having that love for sport. So I guess that was the first thing in any developmental phase is, is, is loving sport and, and being a real fan of everything. So it kind of leads you down that path of wanting to be involved in it and knowing sort of so much about it as a kid. It was obvious that um, what we were going to do then was, was, was being in a position where we could talk about it at any point. So then, for me, like for me and, and my, my apprenticeship, I guess you could call it, started on community radio uh, in my hometown of Queen So Queen is a is a is a little town, forty thousand people that sits just outside uh, the Australian Capital Territory, which is a small. I guess it's a it's a state. It is it is called a state, but it's a very small state, which 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 fits in Canberra, which is the capital city of Australia. So it's almost I, I try and liken it to you know like. You know, Washington, D.C., where you've got, you know, D.C. and you've got Washington that sits inside it, but it is quite small. And then outside of that, you've got, you know, in America, you've got Maryland and Virginia and all that sort of thing. But in Australia, we've got New South Wales, the, the, the biggest state in the country with the most people and the biggest economy. And, and that's where Sydney is as well. You know, the biggest city in terms of population. And, and, and what that means is, is that you've got, you know, Sydney as a state capital around that. So, what I mean by that is Queanbeyan being a small town, it wasn't even over in, in Canberra in the biggest city, which only has, you know, three, four hundred thousand people. It was in Queanbeyan. And and uh, th- th- so going back to what we were talking about growing up with all of that wrestling that we loved and sport, a really good friend of mine who I'm still really good friends with now. Uh, Jimmy Buckley is his name, but he, we, we, we used to watch all of the wrestling. He used to come over to my house and we used to put the pay-per-views on once a month. Um, and we used to watch that and, and enjoy it and have pizzas on a, on a Monday night because it was always on Monday during the day for us, Marco. So we had to try and do our best to avoid what had actually gone on in the, in the pay-per-views and, and get to that in the evening on the replay when it started in the evening. But yeah, you know, we get pizzas and we get the boys over, and and we loved it, mate. We had a we had an absolutely great time, you know, enjoying enjoying the wrestling. And then from there, James and I would always talk about sport. We'd go to each other's houses and and play sport. We'd we'd watch sport together. And then from there, um, he ended up he ended up hosting a program on on community radio, which was just a just a two hour slot. Every week on a Friday. And, and what would happen is we'd go on there and we'd talk about sport. And, and grateful to him, he invited me on the program. And, and I went on there and, and talked sport with him, Marco, for, for, you know, hours on a Friday, every Friday from the age of 17. So it was, it was, it was a young time to get introduced into broadcasting. But I look back at it now, mate, and it was the best, it was the best experience I could have ever had because it was. Pressure free. We we're on community radio on a Friday afternoon, and I mean, I don't know how many listeners we had at the time, mate. It could have been, it could have been five. It could have been fifty. It could have been a hundred, but not, not sure to be honest. But yeah, at the end of the day, it didn't matter. Like for us, it was pressure free. We'd get on there. We would talk everything, Marco. We would talk. Rugby league, we talk national football league, we talk baseball, we talk that you know, the Premier League, we talk about anything and everything that was involved in sport. And what it did for us was it gave us this experience of how to go about learning all about broadcasting. So what we did was we'd go on there and we'd we'd sort of learn how to talk about a topic in depth. We'd learn how to talk about a topic briefly if you were doing a sports report. We'd talk about how to do like a research, you know, if you're doing a research project into something where you were, you know, creating an argument about why you felt... This or that way about something, and and we did that in a way with no pressure. So so we just got on there every week. We talked about sport. We had a great laugh. We we chuckle ourselves stupid to the point where it was. You'd almost sometimes you deem it maybe in a professional sense these days as almost unprofessional. You know how you and I were were talking when we when we were doing our our, our hits and broadcasting. Yeah, you know, we'd have a laugh, but we we'd keep it really professional, noting the fact that we're both professionals in our business. But you know, that, that comes with time, right? It comes with experience and practice. But when we were 17, 18, we would just piss ourselves over the over the silliest stuff and we chuckle away for hours. But what it really did was 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 teach us how to get in the broadcasting industry. So for me. That's where it all started, mate. I mean, it began when I was 17 and uh James moved on after a few years. He he ended up moving on and, and began to, to chase up a few things where when he began writing for newspapers and a bit of you know uh written journalism and, and that sort of thing. And then he began a career in following you know the horse racing industry and stuff like that. And as it, as you would know, you sort of go down those different paths depending on what your interests are. And then a different host came on, Peter Newham, and I ended up staying for for a long time still, mate. Well into my well into my 20s and just enjoying it. So that's where it started for me, mate. And sometimes it's those those humble beginnings where you're just doing it, you know, pro bono for a long time, best part of a decade for free, just enjoying chatting and enjoying talking about sport because that that was a big part of my life and it still is, just talking about sport, enjoying it, having a great time, uh and that's that's where it led to one thing led to another Marco so that's the beauty of these things as well is that you know over time people end up hearing you they 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 have a bit of a following for you and then like with anything you talk with so many different people what do you do oh well I do this but I'm also doing a show people listen in and then doors open and you know these doors open it's like the right place right time look at what happened with you know you being a part of of the Conquer, Cast, Conquer Cav Gold Cup over the summer you know you, you come into somewhere the right place at the right time and Fingers crossed that can open up many doors for you to, to, to live a prosperous life. So that was a humble beginning for me, but I loved it. And my parents always, you know, listened in every week. And that was the best part. You knew at least if your biggest supporters were always listening in, you had someone to talk to and broadcast to. And, and, and they pushed me to keep going as well. Like, you know, there'd be times where I'd be like, oh, look, I think it's time to move on or do something else. But whilst everything was sort of starting to build up, you'd start, you know, I then sort of moved on to start doing some work for commercial radio I started writing for some newspapers. I started, you know, doing podcasts. I started uh, writing for opinion websites. So you just sort of develop your your skills in all the different areas of broadcast. But I always kept that as a staple. And I'm always grateful to that little radio station there in Queanbeyan. And my uncle's still on there broadcasting at the moment. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the humble beginnings is where it all starts, mate. And then from there. It developed into where it is now, and, and and that's the thing. So that's where it all started for me, mate, back in the, the humble beginnings of Queenbian radio, you know, best part of 18 years ago now. So it was, it was good times.
1: I will say, once Lance, uh, the first thing that he told me, obviously he said, hi, how you doing? And then the very first thing he told me after that was, hey, uh, you have any interest in being on camera? I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't yeah. expecting it. And it was such a great experience just to get to work with you guys. And that was actually my next question. Is um similar to to that, like um being with uh, with Lance is obviously an opportunity that came your way. But when do you think was your big break, and that uh, has given you the opportunities that you have today?
2: Yep, that that couple of things there. two, 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 two parts to that. Um, I guess for me that the first the first thing that really Gave me the opportunity more than anything, and one that I'm still extremely grateful to this day is to is to a, a close friend of mine and a mentor at, at home. His name is Nick Butsos, and he's a he's a big boxing promoter in in the country in Australia. He's he's someone who's who's pioneered the game in in the area where I'm from in the Canberra region. And boxing in Australia is a is a little in Australia it's a little bit like the old wrestling days, if you remember, Marco, where it had the old territories and that sort of thing. Because it's kind of at a point where it's still burgeoning from a broadcast perspective, and having those different, we've only got one sort of big broadcaster in in main event that main event and Fox Sports that broadcast it. So, it's still in an area where you know it's it's a little bit you know territorialized where sort of guys will just run their own territories, and I mean the the real big guys will sort of go into a few of the big cities. But just providing that for context to understand that he was he's the sort of big promoter in our town, and and through a through a, a gentleman Ben Edwards, a very a very very successful fighter out of our hometown who fought K1. He fought Glory. He uh, went very, very close in the UFC. Fantastic man. Uh, through him, um, he Ben Edwards. You know, through a friend of mine, through my best friend and his brother, introduced me to Nick. And I knew Nick from sort of you know a few other things that he was involved in bodybuilding promotions and 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 the gym and that sort of thing where where I was sort of training as a young man and 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 basically Ben. Introduced me to Nick in a more formal capacity, even though I sort of knew him on a on a casual basis, and then he gave me my break to start my first, you know, announcing uh, as as a ring announcer. So that's where my my first break in that. Respect came from um, to do ring announcing, mate. So that's where that started off. That was when I was around about 25. So it's about 10 years ago now, and, and I had the opportunity to announce my first boxing show. Um, and for me, that was sort of the first steps to becoming, I guess, a bit like Michael Buffer. You know, back then, and I mean, Bruce Buffer was still making his his name and his really strong name now because he's such a, a massive success now. But it gave me that first chance to try and emulate, you know, one of my heroes, Michael Buffer, and and even Jimmy Lennon Jr., like the, the great announcers of our time, to get in the boxing ring and give boxers that real big rev up and announcement. So uh, that opportunity was one that I took with both hands, Marco. That that, that was was on a show in, in Canberra and basically, you know, a couple of big fighters. Ben himself, you know, came into the fold as a, as, as a, as a kickboxer, as a professional boxer. So it was great to be able to tie the two together, to have – the announcing and announcing him as the fighter as well. So I would consider that as one of my my big breaks, I guess, and, and big opportunities, and that was one I took with both hands and I'm forever grateful to, to Nick for giving me that opportunity because what that led to, Marco, was, you know, a long time again, much like community radio, it was a long time of doing shows just in my city and, and taking care of the promotions back at home. But like with anything, you you create a bit of a name for yourself of just being a, a professional, good at what you do. And then that leads into forays into the Sydney market, into the bigger market of Sydney where you can start. There's a lot more promotions in Sydney, right? So in the big city, there's a lot more promotions, a lot more things happening every weekend. So... Then to a, a, a gentleman up there, John Yuanu, another great name in the industry here, in the boxing industry and, and kickboxing industry, he got me a few connections into Sydney and then it just snowballs after that, Marco. You get your opportunities, you do a good job, the next promoter will ask about you or then you'll end up and, and I've been very grateful over the last, you know, two years, three years. Uh, it's it's progressed into a position where I've I've basically got to do announce all of the big boxing shows on television here on on Fox Sports free to wear and then main event as pay per view and announcing some of the biggest fights over the last twelve months. So very grateful for that opportunity and and I'm hoping that will sort of put me in good stead to also you know hit the international market over the next the next little while and when I say little while I'm prepared to I know it'll take time to sort of get involved in in your big organizations like Top Rank and Match Room around the world, but that's part of the business though, right, Marco. It takes time to to get involved and get in front of the right people. But very grateful to all of the the promoters as, as well. Um, the bigger, you know, when I say bigger guys, the guys that were running the real big shows, like like Matt Rose here in Australia, No Limit, Dean Lonigan, Dean events, very grateful to those guys for giving me the opportunity. But again, it all started with with Nick in Canberra, so that was one of the that was one of those big breaks, Marco. And the second one, I guess, was when I met Lance. And again, it was a it was a match made in heaven, I guess I would say for for a, for a number of reasons. Um, I met Lance at the Commonwealth Games, and I was there doing boxing. So all of these sort of worlds colliding were kind of colliding on that right path, you know what I mean? The comets were coming together and and crashing each other with with all of those same type of aspects. So for me, you know, and this was through another friend um who are more yeah this this goes back to my best friend and his brother He's, his brother michael duros is his name but he was um he was a person who sort of you know got me through with ben and then got me through into into getting opportunities with nick and then same again through one of another one of michael's mates radley who worked for a big a big company um, got me got me connected in through uh, the Commonwealth Games for the boxing program at the Commonwealth Games. And and that's how that came about, whereas I got selected to be the ring announcer for the boxing program at the Commonwealth Games. And that, again, Marco, was a very big achievement for me. Probably at the time, I sort of didn't – when I say I didn't view it that way, it's not out of any level of disrespect or anything like that. I just, just really – I focused in on it so hard that I didn't let anything get in the way of it. I'm just going to do the very best job I can. And what I mean by that is looking back at it now – to have the opportunity to to ring announce the whole boxing program of, of an event as big as a commonwealth games was a huge honor for me and and that's where that's where boxing collided with with football for me I guess when I I first walked into I love this story I mean I walked into this venue and uh, it was it was it was a as a, a nice balmy day in Queensland. I was up in Queensland. I'm sure you know a little bit about Queensland. And it's almost like our California, right, or our Florida. Beautiful beaches, warm weather all year round. And I walked into this venue, and and Lance Lance Brass was there. And I was like, it was like he. he so it was funny. He, he's looking at me. I'm in his suit. I'm this green young young guy in a suit, a little bit a little bit bigger than what I was sort of now, mate. I was a, I was a bit heavier and a bit you know really pumping the weights and that sort of thing. And I walk in there in a suit and I can picture Lance's face, looked at me, he's like, Oh, who's this Aussie so-and-so that I've got in front of me? What's this? Yeah, what's this garbage I've got here? And then conversely, looking at Lance, Lance had this, he's got a deep voice anyway, Lance. Like this this gentleman's got a really deep voice. And um, and he had a cold that day, like he had this horrible cold, mate. This is before the days. And, and it was this a was deeper fucking- voice. Yeah, 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 and, and Marco, this is before the days of COVID. This is when you're allowed to have a cold, and you're allowed to have a flu, and you weren't looked upon. You weren't, you weren't, you weren't looked upon like you're a leper back then. All right, so you could go okay. to a venue and have a sniffle, and it was okay. So anyway, I turned up, and, and Lance was there, and um, and he had a deep voice anyway, as you know, and then he had this cold, so I can imagine he had this deep voice and this Canadian accent, and I was, same thing too, I was like, oh, who's this guy, like, who's this Muppet I've been assigned with, so it was beautiful, the first 20 minutes of our relationship was just like, oh, great, who's this bloke, and he's, and he was thinking the same about me, no doubt, but look, very quickly, we we hit it off. Like, like a lot of good people do, mate. It's like, like the same way that you and I did, you know, with good people and people you have a lot in common with, you hit it off quickly. And within 20 minutes, half an hour, we both realised that we had a love for, you know, for boxing and, and kickboxing and, and the martial arts. And he'd also just got his first, you know, foray into the world of, of FIFA and he'd just just done his first FIFA Club World Cup and basically said, you know what, we, we're in need of good announcers and people that can do a really fantastic job you know, not only announcing, but also presenting as well. We want people who can do, you know, hits in front of the camera for reporting. We need people who can interview players. And look, at, from there, mate, it was like with anything, you sort of, you're careful when you meet new people and getting to sort of deals and agreements. But he said, look, I'm, I'm going to get you over to, to the Middle East at the end of the year um, to have an opportunity to work at the Club World Cup, followed by the Asian Cup, of which Australia was defending champions at the time. We won our continent. So the, the equivalent tournament of what the, the Gold Cup was, Marco. So... Um, we we were defending champions of that and I thought this would be fantastic but at the same time I didn't look too much into it I just went about my business announcing my my boxing shows and getting involved in promotions here and then look Lance credit to him true to his word and this is this good of a man that he is he he called me up to go to the UAE and the rest was history from there mate that was I guess a big audition for me but I went there and within my first three days of being in the UAE mate I was announcing you know games in 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 Abu Dhabi and Alain and and I was interviewing Real Madrid and I was sort of standing next to Santi Solari and Dani Carvajal and I was like holy like wow this is going this is going from 0 to 100 very quickly you know in the same room as Sergio Ramos and Gareth Bale and you know all these you know Tony Kroos and all these massive players you know of, of Real Madrid it was like whoa you're in the room with the Galacticos you know out of nowhere so that was I tell you what that was crazy you know what I mean and and Luka Modric was there and I ended up getting to meet Luka Modric and talk to him and have a chat with him so uh, here we go there's the, uh, yeah I can see there a nice Real Madrid shirt you're, mate yeah you're cool. you're
1: talking sweet stuff to me right now
2: I can see so, you know, I can, I can, see, I, can see, see, I can hear it in your voice now that you're really getting excited by this mate so um <laughs> you know that was that was a, that was another great moment for me you know I was that, I supported Arsenal, of course, don't get me wrong. But you, you, if, you, if you're if you into football, I guess you you know who Real Madrid are. You know who Barcelona are, these, these mammoth super clubs of the world. So for me, you know, that was a great experience. And then that was it, Marco. I guess it's like with anything in your life, you're in the right place at the right time. But more than anything, you've got to take your opportunity when you're in those positions. It's all well and good to be in the right place at the right time. But if you don't get up there and show your worth, similar to what, you know, you did when we were in Phoenix, you know what I mean? Get up there and go, you know what, I can do this. You know, and when you when you're in a room with, with the Galacticos and you're told you've got one take, do not F this up, you've got to you've got to be on your game. You've got to have your questions ready. You've got to know what to ask, you've got to know how to do it in a manner which is short and sharp, because their media officers are like rabid dogs, Marco. They're like, look, you've only got five minutes, mate. Don't bugger this up. Otherwise you don't get the opportunity. So that taught me a lot about being ready, about being prepared. And the rest is history from there, mate. It's been a it's been a magnificent last five years for me in terms of you know, loving the boxing announcing that I've done. I mean, I've been doing that for 10 years, but really getting the big opportunities thanks to Nico the last five years. And then same again, thanks to Lance the last three and a half years of being in the position to announce the biggest events. And from there, it's just led to being able to go to Gold Cup with you and enjoy an American summer. You know, I've done the Club World Cup three times now with with the biggest clubs in the world, Liverpool, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, you know, I've been able to go to a, a women's World Cup in in France and have a have a Parisian summer, which was another magnificent memory for me. And 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 that's it. It's just about taking those opportunities and being grateful, mate. So that's they're kind of the two big breaks, I guess. You know, and the opportunities that came my way to go ahead and and, and forge his career in in sort of broadcast and 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 ring announcing, stadium announcing, and also. I guess we'd call it like a, a broadcast reporting, I guess, when we were sort of interviewing players and preparing that content and doing all the social media and stuff like that. It's, it's been a great journey so far, and, and long may it continue.
1: Well, hopefully my audition was good enough in Phoenix that he takes me to go do stuff with Real Madrid and Bayern and Liverpool, hopefully one day.
2: Put <laughs> it this way, mate. I, I, I think it's a matter of time. You've got my vote, mate. You're, you're a good man, and, and you're also you're also bilingual, which helps as well. It's something, you know, that... Whilst I'm bilingual, speaking uh, Macedonian unfortunately doesn't hold as much weight as speaking Spanish. But I am learning that, as you know, so that will be my third language, which will be great. And um, you know, it's it's those type of things which uh, which will help, mate. So yeah, you've you've got my vote, mate. And if I ever need someone to cover me or and join me as well when when the real big stuff happens, then then you've got my vote, mate, which would be good. Just get that man, you top off that's all.
1: <laughs> For that I'll I'll put on an, an old school Thierry henry jersey. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's what it. I gotta get, do.
2: <laughs> get the legend on the back of the shirt, mate. That'd be great.
1: Hey, he's the best Arsenal player in history, I think, in my opinion, you know. I agree,
2: mate. He was he was something special, mate. Even don't get me wrong, there's been some unbelievable strikers in the Premier League. You look at Salah of late, uh, you look at guys like Cuna unbelievable player. Van Nisseroy was was a very good player at the time. Alan Shearer, even as as a sheer muscle centre forward, brilliant player. But watching the highlights yeah. back, mate, no one, no one is as silky, smooth, or as brilliant to me as what Thierry Henry was. He was quite simply the greatest, the greatest, the greatest player, leading, leading goal scorer for a long time there in, in, in the Premier League and in Arsenal history. And I'm not sure when that Arsenal record will be broken, mate. He was he was an unbelievable player. So a joy to watch.
1: Yeah, he was definitely uh, to be someone like him is going to take a, a lot, a, a lot to be someone um, as close as Tierra Henry. So we'll see what, that happen, what happens in the future, though. But I, I do want to ask you, you, you've mentioned uh, Michael Buffer numerous of times here on the podcast. So I just want to hear about how much of an inspiration he is to you.
2: Very big, very big. Very big, to be honest, Marco. He, he was a guy that I guess uh, one of the reasons why he became such an inspiration and, and someone to to look up to was the fact that it came at a young age. And like you, 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 you'll you know this and a lot of the, the budding sportscasters out there or anyone, you things that are developed in your brain and burnt into your mind as a child and as a kid is something that will stick with you for. You know, generally speaking, a, a lot longer than things perhaps as an adult, or or things that you know you might have something that carried in equivalent terms the same weight as when you were 12 or 14 carries the same weight as what it is at 30, 35. But you remember as being a bigger or stronger moment or something like that um, as a kid, just purely because of how much fascination you know, it provided you with the time. And not to mention there's there's an element where you're not as busy as a kid and you don't have as much going through your head. You're not – in in adulthood, as you know, there's a lot more. There's family, there's life, there's everything that's involved. Whereas as a kid, you've sort of got nothing to worry about, you know, in an ideal world. So for me, being able to see Michael Buffer and, and see the whole let's get ready to rumble as sort of a 10-year-old and as 11-year-old was huge for me like it it was massive i I was in a position where i was able to to see him um you know announce those those hell in a cell's goldberg and kevin nash three-story hell in a cell wcw title on a monday night you know what i mean here i am crescendoing it up now like i'm commentating and you can you can imagine but
1: with the slice of pizza in
2: your hand and everything (laughs) (laughs) that's it all of it oh that 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 corded phone that we had back as kids you know, talking to my cousin. I mean, they were they were a big deal. I mean, that's, that's don't get me wrong, it's not a big deal as much as an adult uh, now. But I'll tell you what, Marco, a WCW title on a Monday night, which was Tuesday morning for us. Well, it was Tuesday, or Wednesday morning. I can't remember obviously exactly when it was. I know it was early in the morning, but um, you know, a WCW title, Hell in a Cell, Kevin Nash, Goldberg. When you're when you're twelve years of age, mate, he's absolutely massive. It's the biggest thing going on in your life that week. So, you know, to be able to watch that and see Michael Buffer do the, the Let's Get Ready to Rumble and really, you know, showcase that was was huge, mate. It was, it was it was massive for me. So it sort of implanted that in my head as a young age. You know what? This is a great job. This is something that I would love to do. Like, I'm never going to be a professional boxer in my life or anything like that or professional wrestler. But I, I would love to be a part of the fanfare of that and be an announcer and, and and be involved in that. So that sort of showed me at a young age that that's what I wanted to do. So whilst I began in sort of radio and and, and that's where I kind of began and, and broadcasting that way, for me, to be in a position where I knew what I wanted to do from a young age and, and I felt like I was going to go down that path eventually was a big thing. So, again, you know, I, I don't know Michael Buffer in the sense that I don't talk to him. I have met him before. Um, he came to Australia in 2017. You remember Manny Pacquiao fought Jeff Horn in Australia, the Battle of Brisbane, it was called. It was an unbelievable day, mate. The middle of, I believe it was early July, early July 2017. That's the second, maybe something like that. And uh, it was a great day in, in Brisbane, mate. It really was. It was at Suncorp Stadium. There was you know, 50,000 people there. In the stands and perhaps more on the ground, but Michael Buffer came for that, and and luckily for me because I'd been in the industry for a while, Marco, I had all the accreditations and um and I was able to go and and meet Michael Buffer there. I met him ringside and and had a chat with him, and I was like, wow, this is absolutely incredible! Like to be able to meet him and and talk to him was just the thrill of a lifetime, mate. It was it was unbelievable for me at that point to be able to. And he was fantastic. I mean, he took the time to talk to me for five minutes. He had his throat lozenges there that day. He had the the beautiful dark glasses and a, a grey suit from memory. Um, and he was he was ready to to rock the arena out. And he was brilliant, mate. So that also um, that also showed me that the old saying about don't meet your heroes is not quite correct. I mean, he was magnificent that day. He was he he spoke to me. He gave me some advice. We had a chat. And he 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 allowed me to to, to give me the confidence to say, mate, this will be you one day, and you just keep at it, and you'll get your opportunities. And look, I was a young man in the game then; I still am now, I guess, in a way. Thirty-five, you know, as a ring announcer, is 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 slightly on the young side. Um, so there's plenty of time, and I've achieved a lot, which is which has been great. And Michael Buffer was a big inspiration for that. And and like I said, when I got the chance to meet him and grab a snap with him, and and that sort of thing, that was a really positive moment for me. And and that's why he was a big inspiration. And then obviously Bruce Buffer, his his brother superb in the UFC slightly different style and then and then as I mentioned before guys like Jimmy Lennon Jr the guys you know you grew up listening to announce Mike Tyson in those great heavyweight titles and that sort of thing and you know obviously Jimmy's been around for a long time as well so huge inspiration mate and um yeah it'd be it'd be great to tell him this story again one day in 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 person when I get the opportunity so you can clip this up and tag him on Twitter, mate, and uh, and we'll get him to comment on it. But, no, he was a huge, huge inspiration for me, mate. And like I said, being able to see him announce, you know, those big WCW, you know, Monday Nitro fights as a young man, as a young kid for me was was a huge inspiration. I really enjoyed it.
1: I'm going to cut it up now and tag him on social media, Steve. I'm going to do that for sure. <laughs> that was your yeah, order, man. <laughs> we may as well, mate. We'll see if he remembers, mate. See
2: if he remembers, you know. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be funny if he did and – you know what? Probably not, and that's perfectly fine, mate. He's a he's a he's a, a legend in his own right for everything that he's achieved. And if I can emulate half of what he's done, um, that'd be great, mate. But that'd be the that'd be the next step for me, mate. If I can announce a, a full on world title, that would be unbelievable. I've done a lot of regionals now, and a lot of know, um, yeah, a lot of Australian titles and that sort of thing. But you know, to announce a full on world title would be a would be an honour for me. And and obviously, with 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 the inspiration he's provided, it'd be great to follow that legacy from from down under.
1: Would you say that's going to be like uh, your ultimate goal of what you want to do? Like that's, you'd say like, okay, I've made it to where I want to be like just announcing a, a world title in the boxing world.
2: I think it's very difficult to, to completely hone in on that Marco. This is a topic I guess I really like talking about in the sense that when it comes to what you want to do with your life and what you would, you know, classify as an achievement in life, put it this way. Like if I was, when I was 20 years of age or 18 years of age, if you said to me, you know what, you're going to announce a boxing fight one day, you'd look at that and go, you know what, that's an unbelievable achievement. I've announced a boxing fight. You know this from broadcasting. You're, you're a young man who's going to have a very successful career, in my opinion. You sort of, you know, went away. I was like, oh, you know what, if I announce, you know, for, for broadcast, for commercial radio one day, that'll be an achievement. If I, you know, get to get on the television and just do one thing one day, that's going to be an achievement. If I get to get to one soccer tournament, that's going to be an achievement. And I mean, one thing I, I think you find is when you're motivated in life and you're really, really focused on achieving great things and more so enjoying your life and enjoying the experiences that come with it, you, get, you do get a little bit lost in that. And I mean, I, I think that's a key element to success and success in the, in the terms of you being fulfilled. I think a key element of that, Marco, is you just keep your head down at a certain point. You just do gig after gig after show after event, and you sort of don't look back. You're just always looking forward because the concept is to is to make sure that you are focused on what you're doing to go ahead and achieve these things, but you kind of don't take the time to pat yourself on the back. And I think there's an element to that which is important to say, you know what? I just announced my first boxing fight. What a thrill that was. I got up in front of, you know. Five hundred people or a thousand people at the time, and I did that. That was great. Or I, or I just broadcast, you know, this interview on television, or I just produced this, or, or whatever the case may be. So it's about taking those those steps as you go along. So, you know, I think it's it's always a fascinating chat to have. What what do you what do you achieve as your ultimate success? We'll put it this way: achieve it. Announcing one boxing fight as a kid was always you know it was always a dream of mine and 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 just you know being able to commentate a game of soccer or a game of rugby league or, or or broadcast that would have been an achievement but now you look at the sort of the career that you managed to have and and develop like i've announced you know many many fights now Like I'm, i don't know how many would be in the individual numbers but it'd be well into the hundreds and probably perhaps close to a thousand when you look at the the individual number of fights and all those fighters that you've you know introduced and given them their moment ready before before battle um, and then same again with with, with football, you know, I've, I've, I've been there announcing and, and broadcasting at so many games now. And like I said, so many grateful opportunities to be around Real Madrid and be around these fantastic, you know, teams and players and stuff. So I guess well, when I look at it now, I, I feel like your goals change over time as you achieve things. So for me, I guess if to answer it right now, it would be like, look, if I get the opportunity to announce a, a world title, a, a full blown, you know, world title, that would be a, a dream of mine. Um, that would be unbelievable to say that, I, that I'm a, a, a full-on world championship boxing announcer would, would be unbelievable. That's also it's also a select, you know, there's only a select amount of fights per year, you know what I mean, Marco, that have that ability. And guys like Michael Buffer will be there a lot of the time because they're the best and, and and good on them for being the best, Jimmy Lennon, whoever the case may be. Um, they're the guys that are the best. You know, David Diamante now in, in the UK for Matchroom, unbelievable. Like, these guys are, are the best. So they're taking a lot of those world title fights, and that's perfectly deserved for them. So what I mean by that is, is that you know when when the opportunity does come to have to have the chance to announce a world title, I'll take it with both hands, hopefully, and and then from there, being able to like go to a world cup for me, and, and fingers crossed that will all take place next year as usual. But if I can get to you know the World Cup next year in, in Qatar, that that'd be another one that I would look back at and go, you know what? I was there at a World Cup. I was there at a World Cup final, and that would be an achievement. So I feel to answer your question, it's something that develops over time. It's something that takes place over time. You, you, your goals will sort of change as you go along. And I feel like if you're not reassessing your goals and what you want to achieve, then you can become stagnant because you can get to a point, Marco, when you go, well. I achieved that now, so I don't need to try any harder. I don't need to do any more now. I got where I wanted to go. I think it's important to go, well, you, you need to take the time at certain intervals of your life to reflect and look back and go, wow, okay, looking back now, that was that was really incredible. That was really important. Um you know, now I need to reassess and achieve this because I've achieved this goal. Now I need to reassess and, and put the next line in the sand about where I want to get to. So, you know, that that was that was where I was as as, as a young kid. And now looking forward, you know, they're, they're the immediate goals is announce a world title and get to a world cup. And and more than anything, I've realised, especially in the last few years, is an element of success is 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 happiness, mate. It is it's just being happy, doing what you would love, and being there and being present. You know, in the words of the great. Michael Jordan you know then in the words of the great the great MJ like one of the greatest you know sportsmen and and, and people in terms of mentality in history in my opinion you know about being present and 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 things that you can't control you just have to let go that's something that he said it's something that my father always taught me and 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 the point I'm trying to make there is that sometimes you don't need to look too far ahead you know I remember you know standing next to you in Phoenix at in, in State Farm in front of 68,000 people just looking around going nothing else matters right now like we we we're, we're enjoying this this game Mexico's playing on duras, and there's people going wild there's goals getting banged in I'm watching you you know announce the goal celebration and just soaking it in around me and just going this is what it's all about. So they're, they're, they're the factors that you need to take in, mate, and, and, and really enjoy as part of the journey. Otherwise, it can get away from you and you can sort of, you know, get wrapped up in the moment, which I was guilty of, you know, a year going back a few years of, of definitely just not realizing the the the, the, the size of the achievements and, and, and being able to give yourself a little pat on the back and going, well done, enjoy it, soak it up, celebrate, and move on to the next.
1: Yeah, if uh, someone came to me, and I was, for example, 6, 7, or 8 years old, or 10, and they told me, Marco, at 22 years old, they're going to be announcing at the Gold Cup in Phoenix. I'm like, you're absolutely crazy. But the fact that it's, like you said earlier, the opportunities you have to take, you know, and like and like I said earlier, I didn't expect Lance to give me that opportunity, and it, and it led to something beautiful, you know, because being able to be down pitch side and be able to do that kind of stuff and just hear the roar of the crowd was, like, amazing. So, like, I know that you... That, that's what fuels you as well you know like it, it really pumps you up every single time you open that mic and just address uh, a whole lot of people in the stadium so you do a good job man you do a really good job
2: appreciate that mate thank you very much mate. yeah it was it was great look and that's the thing like you know it was like where you almost yeah Knowing whatever your job description was on the day, but to see that evolve so quickly, and for you to to come and be a part of it, and to learn and to sort of you know, you know, show what you can do was was incredible, mate, and well deserved. And that's only going to keep you in good stead now because you know the pressure's on when you're talking to seventy thousand people, and you're you know you're trying to hype people up, and you're trying to do a good job of that, and and mix that with the formalities of what we need to do of the, of these events of protocols and making sure that you know. At the end of the day, the match starts on time. The teams have their anthems respected and all that sort of thing. It's it's all very, very important. It's all a big moving wheel, um, which has to be respected. So it's it's great, mate, and that's only gonna lead to to, to bigger things for, for all of us and and more than anything, like I said, those moments you can look back and enjoy and, and talk about now and say, Hey, remember when we did that, Marco, when we're having a beer in, you know, 20 years time with our families on a Phoenix ranch or in a, you know, Outback Australia, whatever the case may be, you know what I mean. We can we can say you know what what a great time that was, and that's what it's about too, mate. Is enjoying the friendships that come along the way, the people that you meet, because the world is a is a beautiful place. There's so many wonderful people in in so many wonderful countries, and being able to see that as well is something that I'm very grateful for as well. I've been lucky to I've been lucky to get around the world, mate. I've been to every single continent on the planet. You know, I've been to probably 70, 80 countries now, I think. So I've, I've seen so many, so many great places. and met so many great people. And it's been a, a real joy, a, a real joy. And, and long may it continue.
1: In 20 years, man, uh, when we have that ranch or in Phoenix or Australia, the accents are gonna be flipped over. I'm going an Australian, run. <laughs> You're going to an American accent. That's what's gonna happen.
2: Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be nice, mate? That'd be a that that'd would be, be a perfect, perfect sign to sort of look at at what happens from there, mate. It'd be bloody yeah. bloody beautiful. So I'd enjoy it, mate. And long may long may our friendship continue, mate. Because that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, is the people you meet and, and the experiences that you have. So, and that's it, mate. For me, that's what it's all about, mate. There's no amount of money that can that can come in and and be a part of that it's just about enjoying yourself and having a good time and reflecting back on on the great moments that we've had so
1: we're a little bit past the the one hour mark but which is fine uh hopefully it's okay with you i i didn't want to be fine but, mate. The funniest thing that I liked about doing the game with you in Phoenix was after the game, actually, when uh, when we went up went up to the production room and Lance was like, "Babyface Assassin, you killed it today." I was about to tell Steve, Steve, you better learn Spanish really, really quick, boy, because I don't know what's <laughs> yeah. gonna happen today.
2: Hundred <laughs> percent, mate. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's um, it's something that I've yeah, as I was telling you, mate, and and. I've started learning Spanish now. I've gone back to, you know, vocational education now to go and get, you know, to do it properly, you know what I mean, to go and learn. And, and the journey's been fantastic so far. I've done a semester and I'm about to get back out of my, I mean, hotel quarantine at the moment, mate, still, would you believe, still, Marco, from that trip that we had together. You know, that was that was three weeks ago, the final of the Gold Cup uh, in Las Vegas coming up this weekend. And by the time I got home on on Friday, Friday the sixth, mate. I've been in hotel quarantine the whole time, but 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 happily for me, this is my last day. And by the time you get this out to all of the listeners, it will be um, it, I'll be out and about and free. But you know, sadly, we're in lockdown in Australia again, mate. We've gone back to COVID, COVID in the early days here, which is all very very strange for all of us in Australia. So we're I'll be out of here and then going back home, and uh, and going back into a position where I'll be locked down again, allowed out for one hour a day for exercise and to go to the grocery store. So. What that will mean, Marco, is I'll have more time to 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 read Spanish and learn Spanish and, and keep getting better at it, which is which is great. So um, it yeah. was good, mate. It was good. It's good to learn. Like I'm, a, I know a lot of the basics of the language now, and more than anything, grammatical structure and the way that it actually works. And and I know a lot of words, but it's just about actually piecing it all together now. And it'll take time, but we'll get there, mate. We'll get there.
1: Can we have a dose of you speaking Spanish?
2: No, I don't know if I'm that confident to do that, mate. But I'll <laughs> uh,
0: okay.
2: <laughs> Okay. But, um, yeah, look, it's it's one of those things where I've it's just the confidence for me. Like I feel like I know enough of the words, you know. I can say, you know, hola, amigo, and 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 cómo estás, all the basic things, and of course, me llamas es Esteban, mucho gusto, Marco. Um, you know, estoy muy feliz. Like to, the to basic to,
1: stuff, stuff like the that. The basic Dubai. stuff.
2: Look, it's nothing. It's nothing fantastic. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I'm happy obviously to, to, to be learning it, but I feel like with another semester we'll be in a position where we can speak a bit more. Like I feel like I know how to order a meal off a menu, perhaps mate, or get a couple of beers and that sort of stuff, but definitely not at a conversational level. I'm not going to talk myself up that I'm like that, but you know, I have even in, in a few boxing announcements of late been able to, you know, put some things down in Spanish and practice them and learn them to announce for boxes, for example, which has been well received and been fantastic. But again, repeating back words in Spanish or things that you've pre-written down is a little bit different to being able to understand and be conversational. So it will take a few more semesters, mate, but I'm confident we'll get there and then we'll be able to do our hits together in Spanish. And that will be,
1: that will be fantastic. that will be pretty sweet. That would be pretty sweet. Uh, but Steve, I got one more question on my end before we get to a, a fan question. I, I did want to ask you, like, I know that we've talked at, at the stadium and you gave me some advice, but for like people that are aspiring to be a, international sports presenter or a boxing presenter just what kind of advice would you give them
2: absolutely absolutely so there's a couple of key key parts that i would tell anyone who's aspiring not only in our broadcast field and and sports field marco but any field in general those those things are number one you need to be committed to what you're doing and you need to be passionate about what it is that you're involved in so for us you know the fact that we both love sport and that we're committed, you know, we, we love sport. We love everything that's involved in it. We love talking about it, watching it. You need to have a genuine interest in what it is you're doing and you need to be committed to it. And what I mean by that is, look, you don't need to completely live and breathe it, perhaps, like I do and and, and you do to, to that extent. But what you do need to be able to do is have a genuine interest in what you're doing Keep up to date with what's going on. Do a lot of reading, a lot of research, and make sure that you're across what it is you're talking about and have that passion. That would be number one. Number two is patience, Marco. You need to be patient, and you need to be able to grind it out. There are, there'd are be one in a million or one in 10 million people that would actually be in a position that are actually able to just fall into something so quickly, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is you've got to be in a position where you know you've just got to grind. You've got to grind, you've got to put the time in. Like I said, I did I did seven, eight years on community radio for absolutely nothing, going I wouldn't say going nowhere is the word, but you know, it was just practice. It was just something to get involved in. So it's important to to be patient, number two, and to just Take the time to put the grafting, to put the working, to get good at what you do. And I guess in my case, I just took on as much as I could, whether it was writing, whether it was, you know, broadcasting, speaking to camera, presenting, hosting, broad, whatever the case may be, take the time to get good at it and don't expect anything to come immediately. Don't expect to be picked up by Fox Sports tomorrow or be announcing a big fight or next minute you're the play by play for ESPN. You know, these things take time. Uh, so, so that that would be my number two. So number one, have that passion and be genuinely interested in what you're doing. Number two, be patient. And number three, which is which is highly important, I think, is is take your opportunities. You need to be in a position to take your opportunities when they present, and that comes from being prepared. It comes from being, you know, researched, and it's a combination of the two things that I've just spoken about a moment ago. It's a combination of number one having that passion and enthusiasm so people can see that in you that you're ready to go. Number two, to being, you know, patient to get to that point so that when the opportunity strikes, you're like that lion in the wilderness that's waited for its meal for three days but it's going to grab that gazelle when the time's right. You need to be ready and you need to, to be opportunistic and you've got to take that opportunity that comes from being prepared. So that, that they're, they're the biggest things for me that have sort of got me to that point, mate, was number one. Having that enthusiasm to all sport growing up and just loving it and enjoying it and being a part of it and – practicing it and commentating it in the room and, you know, pretending you were Jim Ross when you're wrestling your brother. And, oh, my God, he's just chokeslammed him. Oh, God. And you're having that sort of fun and, you know, one, yeah, two, yeah. oh, no, just practicing that stuff. You know, what it is, or announcing a boxing fight in the in the, in the lounge room. And then for me, having that patience of just, you know, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? And, yeah, I, I got impatient a lot of times. Don't get me wrong. I got impatient. I, Nothing's happening. Why isn't this happening? But the, the key was to to stick with it. You know, I never I never at any point gave up and go, I'm not going to get to this point or this ain't going to happen. I like I stuck with it all the time. And then when the opportunities came, number three, I was ready to pounce and and uh, and I took my chances when it came to it, you know, announcing boxing and announcing football and meeting the right people and being able to get on a plane to go somewhere and try something different. And, you know, taking that opportunity when you're in front of, like I said, Real Madrid and you've got to show them that you can interview someone in, in a minute and not bugger it up it's very, very important. So they're, they're the three things I tell any, any budding person and, and, and keep the faith always. It's, it's all going to work out.
1: That really does go a long way, Steve. And that's also good advice for me. I, every advice that guests share here on the podcast, I embrace it as well. So thank you for sharing that, but we have one anytime, more anytime. question and it's a fan question. And actually <laughs> I'm actually curious about it too, as well. So, I don't know who sent this, but you sent it to me because a, a friend of yours from Australia. Maybe it's this from is my like, this is yeah else. this
2: came from my cousin, mate. This is a beauty. This is my my first cousin okay. Willie, who's a, who's a champion and he's a big Arsenal fan like me, and we 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 we're very close oh, wait, and we he, laugh he, and wait, joke a lot. He's an Arsenal fan. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. That's okay, right.
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna ask the question anymore. I'm not ask the question anymore. <laughs> you can you can shelve it, mate. Happily. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, here's the question that uh your cousin sent was, what cologne does the Premier voice of boxing, where?
2: Yeah, that was a beauty. That was a beauty. Thanks for that, Willie. Uh, Currently using Hugo by Hugo Boss to answer that question. So that's the one, mate. Hugo by my, my go to would be BLV by Bulgari uh they're they're one of their their nice basic blue ones uh but i'm on hugo by hugo boss at the moment willie so thank you very much for asking the pertinent questions on the alta podcast uh and he's he's, of course uh hugo by hugo boss mate that's that's the uh the dulcet smells of of myself at the moment so
1: what do you like about it like uh i I haven't really smelled it because my favorite cologne is i don't know if you smelled uh chrome mazzaro
2: no never heard of it never heard of it
1: it's it smells very fresh very like modern it's it's a, it's a good cologne and also uh arrows by versace that's those are my two favorite ones i don't know if you beautiful use, oh, well i'll or.
2: have to try i'll have to try them out next mate i, I wouldn't say i am i am a i'm a I'm a staunch colonna that sticks with, you know, a certain thing, whatever smells good at the time, I guess. But this one's quite okay. a strong one, mate. It's quite a strong and, and slightly musky one, which is gives it that real hit. And I guess it's a case of you either like it or you don't. It sort of it hits you and you're like, oh, okay, that one's a that one's a strong one. And it kind of gives you that that hit early on, mate. So that's the idea behind the, the one I'm using at the moment. So
1: we know that us guys, we have our way to put cologne on. Like, for example, I do two in the shoulders, like one and one, and I go in, into my waist and I put one in the back. So, what do you, what do you do when you put on your cologne? Now, like, it's, let's, let's talk about cologne now.
2: Oh, all right, man, here we go. This is what I like, man. The real big, the real big ones. For me, mate, I do a, I do four on one side, and I just aim it towards the neck. So four on one side aim it towards the neck. Don't sort of, you know, specify like you there with your back and your shoulders and all this fancy stuff you've got going on there, Peralta. But basically, they'll do four on one side. <laughs> four on one side that way. And then I'll do four on the other side. And then from there, mate, what I'll do is always after the shirts on. So shirts on, cuffs on, watches on, so that there's a little gap. We put two on my right wrist first. And then I'll just put that in between where my shirt is and where my watch is. And then I get a little bit on my wrists and that's it, mate. So on the wrists and then four on one side and that's about it. So I'm not sure if that's technical enough, mate. I might need to, uh, I might need to encourage the help of a famous Australian Rugby League player here, Mark Carroll Spud. He's, he's an absolute legend. Um he, he's 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 well into his colognes. He used to be Russell Crowe's bodyguard, um, which is wow, which will give man. you a bit of context. He's but he used to play top level rugby league here in Australia. He's an absolute gent. So you can snip this bit up too, mate, and we'll we'll tag Mark Carroll in this. But um he's the man to get cologne cologne tips from, mate. He's the cologne king in Australia and he's just released a new book. So um he's an absolute champion. But yeah, he's he's the cologne man here in Australia that we'd have to tee up, mate. But he's a he's a legend. So and unfortunately, mate, I don't have the that I think that's something we need to put to him is what's the best way to go about actually applying colognes and so on and so forth so <laughs> he'll be I, I, able I might, to tell us
1: i might need to ask you to introduce me to him so i could get a tutorial on how to put cologne on and put it on, on that's right. no,
2: no worries mate i'll give you i'll give you his uh i'll give you his tags on uh on, on on twitter mate we'll find him and we'll tag him up and see if he's prepared to make a comment but he's a he's a champion mate he used to play for my team my team manly in uh in the australian rugby league and He was part of a premiership side that I enjoyed back in 96 when I was a a young kid as well. But, yeah, I think if there's anyone we need to talk to about colognes, mate, he's he's the man for us.
1: (laughs) Steve, this was a very fun episode, a very, very interesting, getting getting to know you a lot more, getting to know your story. And I really appreciate the time that you were on here. I do want to ask you, is there anything else you'd like to say before we cut off the recording?
2: Uh, more than anything, Marco, thanks for the opportunity, mate, to, to talk to you, and it's great to, to link back up. And as I said, mate, it's hopefully the uh, beginning of a long and prosperous relationship, mate, moving forward and, and lots of tournaments and fun that we can have and enjoy ourselves. And um, thanks for having me, mate, more than anything. Thanks for having me and letting me have a good chat and have a great laugh with you, and, and we'll get this out for everyone to have a listen to. And many more to come, mate. I'll see you, I'll see you on the other
1: side very soon, I'm sure. For sure. Steve, take care, my brother. God bless you. All right.
2: Thank you very much, mate. Great to be a part of the show. Thank you.
1: And that was today's edition of the Auto Sports Podcast with Steve Payos from Australia. He's definitely a talented individual with a very bright future, and I'm glad to call him a friend. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and remember to stay tuned for more renowned guests on the Auto Sports Podcast. Please stay safe, take care, and God bless.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Alta Sports Podcast with Marco Peralta. Like what you heard? Make sure to share us with someone and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Alta Peralta for updates on upcoming guests on the show. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at The Alta. Want to connect with the show? Send us an email at thealta at outlook.com. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you on the next one. So long, everybody.